Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about how to get unstuck in areas of your sobriety that are keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied upon for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion. Um, to Recovered Life, this is a Recovered Life discussion. I'm joined by my comod, Anne, and we're going to have a phenomenal room today about getting unstuck in your recovery. Look, we know that everybody sometimes gets stuck. Uh, and if you are in recovery and if you are stuck or have been stuck and want to share how you got out of it, this is going to be the room for you. Every week we tackle a topic uh, that people could get stuck in or you might have been stuck in. Uh, I know I have been stuck in this topic at one point or another. Uh, and it is humility. We're going to talk about humility and how to be right-sized, about how humility is sometimes misunderstood in recovery, and about how we can use this as a great tool to have better emotional sobriety and live our best recovered life. I'd like to welcome Anne, who's my comod today. We're going to be bringing people up. Just a couple ground rules, guys, on recovered life discussions. These are recorded, so we do ask that you just share using your first name, if uh, that is possible, and refer to people by their first name. Also, that you be loving and kind regarding any comments uh, that you have for anyone else. If you're commenting on anybody else's share, just be loving and kind. That's it. Those are the those are the those are the ground rules. Uh, pretty pretty easy. And let's dive into this here. Unstuck. How's your week been going? Have you been stuck in anything, Anne? This week in, in your recovery? Uh, actually, in my recovery, I have not been stuck because I have been in um, evaluation, taking inventory mode. So I've actually been getting out of being stuck, of having too many things on my plate and not knowing exactly how to move forward quickly. You know, every now and then we have to declutter. Every now and then we have to, you know, do spring cleaning, if you will, right? So uh, I guess I've been getting out of stuck mode this week. So it's been awesome. And what's the process that you use, Anne, to get unstuck? Do you, do you realize, like, obviously before you did that, you thought, well, I need some work around this area. What do you, what do, you do? Have somebody with long-term sobriety, what do you do? to identify it's like hey you know what this is an area i might not be stuck but i might be i might be stuck if i stay here long too long right how do you what tools do you do to 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 make the analysis that you might be stuck and then what's the first kind of steps that you do to get yourself on the path to where you want to be oh wow that's that's a loaded question okay so here's what i do I know that for me to have a happy, healthy, balanced life, I need to look at my money, health, relationships, and spirituality. And so I look at where am I a little bit off right now, which aspect of my life, 
And then I um, go ahead and take a look at what needs to happen. Like in my relationship, do I need to take a little bit more time to maybe uh, do things with my daughter? Or if it's work, do I need to take some things off my plate? Do I need to put something on my plate? Which is what I was focused on this week. And um, health, uh, what am I doing? Am I, what do I need? So I, I look at each aspect of it. And I'm happy to say that the spirituality aspect of it is always there. That's what keeps me balanced because if, I, if I'm not spiritually centered, nothing really gets balanced. The other three things just kind of, you know, go haywire. So that's, that's what I do. I looked, I looked at it and this week it just, uh, it happened to be on work because, uh, you know, as you know, I'm creative and I have a bunch of different things going on. And I looked at, okay, which one of these things needs to happen right now? Right now, meaning this week or today, which one of these needs to be put off maybe next month? And just taking a look at how much time each one of those things needs and how important are they to me? right now? Do I need to make space for them right now? So that's how, that's kind of how I do. And it usually happens like monthly. I mean, the big ones happen like maybe every six months. You know, So that's my process because if, as soon as I feel like I'm uh, something isn't right, then I just go, okay, which, which aspect of my life is a little bit off? And then I just go through the same process. And it's been working for me beautifully for quite a few years, I would say. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm done with that. How about you? And that's, well, you know what? I love, I love, there's so many great things there that you shared and, you know, having, you, you know, you have long-term sobriety and the ability to identify what's going on with you and where you need work. I think that's really what it's all about, right? It's not being perfect because none of us here are going to be perfect. You're, you're not going to be perfect. It's the, that's just not the way that life works with this, right? recovery work. So the question always then becomes is how can I just move that little, how can I just move a little bit further down the board, right? Just a little bit further in life. And I, what you mentioned there, which was interesting is knowing kind of what you want. We talk about this. Uh, it's almost a primer to the unstuck room is that most people uh, are unhappy because they're not getting what they think that they want or deserve or require. And many people don't know what they want anyway. So the frustration is that they are not getting what they don't know that they don't want. Basically, I don't know if I said that right, but that's basically what's going on, right? Like, so when I look at myself, it's sometimes I'm frustrated that I'm not getting what I want. But then when I really dive into it, did I really want that, right? So maybe it's a new car. I'm frustrated because I don't have a new car. I want a new car. I'm sick of the car that I have, let's say, right? So, and I've been there in my in my recovery and I'm frustrated that I'm not getting what I want, but do I really want that, right? Like, and sometimes when I dive in, I, I have to be clear about what I really want and what I don't want. And that's, you know, that that is um, knowing what you want and what you want to achieve is the really the game plan, I think. The primer, awareness is always the primer to getting unstuck. Um, let's dive into the topic a little bit here and humility and how to be right sized. I put how to be right sized because many people feel humility is humiliation. Look, everybody feels a little grounded and leveled at the very least when you come into recovery, whether you 
are coming in because you had an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. It could be eating. It could be codependency. It could be sex. It could be gambling. It could be any kind of addiction that's out there. It could be video games. You know, Christina Dennis and I had a show about video game addiction, which is a really serious thing that's happening to people, especially in the United States, right? So you come in to recovery and you feel, you know, you, you feel below right-sized. You feel less than. You feel beat up in many cases. You can't believe that alcohol or the addiction or the substance or the thing or the person has actually, you know, you, it is actually you can't do that anymore, right? And I know for me that was, that was my crash course in being right-sized is to understand that my best friend, alcohol, no longer could play a role in my life. So there's this mourning period where, quite honestly, I think most people that come into recovery feel uh, feel humiliated. How did I remember them saying, how did a nice guy like me get into a mess like this? How did a nice girl like me get into a mess like this? And I think a lot of people feel that. And so the question then becomes, over your recovery is how to be right-sized. And I think a lot of people take two turns and they decide, and it's and usually these two turns are the wrong term. They either say that, you know what, I have been humiliated, I'm nothing, I'm broken, which is the biggest lie in recovery is I'm broken. It's the biggest lie. If you're telling yourself that you're broken, that is not true. Um, and you know, you might have made broken decisions. You might have taken broken actions, but people in themselves are not broken. So, you know, that is a huge lie. And then what happens is what's perpetrated out of that lie is what I call church basement thinking, which is stuck in a church basement saying, I'm always going to be an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic now. I'm a terrible person. I've made bad choices. Finances are never going to work out for me. I'm never going to be in a relationship that works. Right. It's this kind of, uh, for, for lack of a better term, loser attitude that uh, it's over. I'm broken. I'm sitting in the back. Now, that is humiliation. People don't need to be uh, live in humiliation 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for your entire sobriety. It plays no useful role, in my opinion. Then the second part of this of humility is. Um, and we're going to hear from you guys. You guys are going to come up and talk about uh, humility. Are people who have zero frame of reference regarding humility and everything is bigger than life and they are bigger than life, and which is great, which is fine. I think being bigger than life is, is, is great, but they take it to the place where they're over the top. They rule over everyone. They're the one that's always in charge. They have no boundaries, right? This narcissistic kind of approach to life. So you see these two extremes. And really what recovery is about is finding that meaty part of the curve. It's really about being in that in that middle area, right? And what I want to talk about today is how did you get right-sized in your recovery? How did you find that the right place? And being right-sized sometimes is stepping up and being the leader. You know, I remember I had a home group when we went through the pandemic. No one really stood up. There were four or five people, men and women, who stood up and said, hey, we're going to save this group and we're going to put this group online. That was a right application to do. We had the experience. 
we had the recovery, we had the willingness, and we had the desire to help people. So we had to stand up and become a leader. You might have to, at some point in your life, stand up and become a leader. Other times, you might need to be a follower with it's in a group. Sponsorship is a great thing in 12 steps, you know? And in sponsorship, sometimes you have to, if you were the sponsee in a 12-step program, you have to sit back and you have to take direction. You have to take direction from people. So it's learning how to lead, but it's also learning how to take direction. This is where you become right-sized. You wanna wear your sobriety in your recovery like a loose garment. You don't wanna be so strict, so intense, that you freak yourself and everybody else out. But you don't wanna be so loosey-goosey that you could go out at any time. So that's kind of the primer and my two cents. Uh, we're gonna turn it over. And what's your thought on that topic, on what I said? Oh gosh, Damon, you covered so much there. Okay, so uh, to begin with, when, before recovery, I would uh, think about what would make me happy and then I would go get it, like you said, bulldoze. And now I was so focused on getting what it was that I thought was gonna make me happy because I was so empty inside that I had just I would just go after it, I would get it, and then I would decide, oh, well, this is not it. Okay, then it's something else. And so that aspect of it, it was it was driven from, you know, diminishing the pain, the emptiness, you know, but then it was totally self-centered. And uh, so that's part of the ego, uh, you know, uh, combined with insecurities, if you will, trying, okay, I just, if I just get this, I'll be better. If I just get that, I'll, I'll feel better. So that was one aspect of it. Now, once I came into recovery, one of the things that I heard early on, which was really transformational for me, it was humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. I was like, oh my goodness, yes. I, I, I took that in and I really started saying, okay, how often am I sitting there thinking of myself? And I have to say, when we're in pain, we have to think of ourselves. That's kind of what we naturally do. So stopping to say, okay, I'm going to think of somebody else uh, takes effort. You know, and and I learned that if you're if you're in a space where you're feeling bad about yourself, then go help somebody else. You will feel better. So it was learned behavior for me to to begin with. Stop being so self-centered and start supporting others, and that was a way of me beginning to help myself. And you know, it just felt so good that I just kept doing it. And then it was like, oh, I do have this. Uh, you know, leader tendencies. Uh, and so I, I, I started taking steps. Like you say, if we are, if we are true to ourselves, if we really do see ourselves and if we're looking at who we are looking to learn, this is where the steps come in. The fourth and the fifth step really helps a lot because it's like, well, who am I? Why do I do the things I do? And then we get somebody else to actually be witness and, and maybe 
bring the, some of the things into right size, as you say, because when we're just thinking, we can blow things out of proportion. So this practice of looking at myself and then sharing it with somebody else like a sponsor helped bring me to right size because it it's it's it brought balance to my thoughts if you will and so that was that was my process you know to to actually get myself to right size and i'm happy to say as you know as the years have gone and uh, i keep practicing this this mechanism that works beautifully for me and and a lot of other people i know um i have come to a place where i don't have to really talk about what I can do really well. I just do what I do well. And if it resonates with people, that's wonderful. If it doesn't, that's okay too. So coming to a place of knowing myself is is in itself being right-sized. It's about being confident in who I am and actually asking for help in the areas where I'm not, because that's always going to be there. There's always something new. There's always something else that I'm learning. There's always a, a different situation that I'm in that I don't feel so confident. So knowing how to ask for help and being okay with who I am, just because I don't know something, it doesn't mean I am not something, you know? And so I hope that makes sense. And absolutely. Uh, so, but that, that was beautiful. Thank you. I, I think, you know, the whole thing about asking for help, um, for me, that is absolutely the hardest thing. Um, coming up on, you know, three decades of recovery, I'm telling you right now, it's almost as hard for me to ask for help as it was the first day that I walk in. I just, I'm not geared that way. And uh, down to the core, I feel that it is a failing of some sort. And I've been working on that over the years. And I will tell you, it's been better, right? Uh, this, you can't John Wayne everything. Uh, what I found out is, is that, you know, it is, uh, <clears throat> recovery has taught me that working together is so much better. Uh, and it also, you know, I think a lot of people don't want to do that, Anne. I know I didn't because maybe you've had disappointments or you have codependency in your past, right? And that muddles everything up and it becomes very complicated. So as you recover and you walk through life and you walk through your recovery doing the deal, what happens is you start to unpack those things and look at them and decide, hey, does this work for me anymore? Let's throw this away and let's keep this or let's modify this. Guys, just to reset the room real quick and then we're going to go to Kat and Deanna. You're in the Recovered Life Room. Uh, we're talking about getting unstuck in recovery every week, every Thursday. My name's Damon Frank, and uh, I am part of Recovered Life. And Recovered Life is a community of like-minded people who wanna live their best recovered lives. We have a free community. The great thing is it takes less than a minute to join. You get access to amazing contributors, uh, like Ann, who's on there, uh, always talking about different topics. Um, as well as different areas of recovery that we focus on. And it's all for free. That's the best part. All you have to do is tap the link above or go to info.recoveredlife.us and you can uh, write up top. It said you can be a member. You can also support Recovered Life if you want uh, by making a donation at info.recoveredlife.us. It helps us bring content just like this to people who need it. Uh, the only thing better then making your recovery better is helping other people make their recovery better. Welcome, Kat. 
How are you? Really good to see you in the room today. Recovered Life Discussions. Talk to us about humility and being right-sized. Hey, David. Um, and thank you, Anne. Man, um, so good hearing you guys talking about humility. Um, it was a word I did not know coming in. I knew it, you know, but I, I've never... Um, pondered it or thought about it in depth it was just kind of like oh, I'll just look over this word <laughs> like really quickly and uh didn't really mean too much I didn't grow up in a family that sat around the dinner table and had conversations about um, integrity or honesty or humility so it was a new concept for me and it was very um abstract at first you know and I found it very difficult because by the time I was coming into program, I had been so isolated for so long and had just been through the ringer. And I think a huge part of finding humility, you know, you take that first part of the word, H-U-M, think of other words, human, you know, um, humanity. Um, and it has to do with your interactions with other people, right? How you function and, you know, and you hit it on the head, um, the only way to take those inventories is to put yourself, throw yourself into life and like see how you are navigating life. And that's going to include angers and resentments and that's going to include mistakes and that's going to include accomplishments, right? And um, being able to identify that to understand who you are as a person, that alone is just so difficult, I feel like, for a lot of um, newcomers, right? Just getting out there and trying and um, having the courage to go and do that. And um, I, you know, that's why the first three steps, tapping into that courage um, is necessary at first. But, you know, I, I still struggle with it. I swing back and forth to I'm a POS, to I'm the greatest, to, you know, it has definitely calmed down. Um, I, I think of that, you know, that marble pendulum thing where you like take one side of the, like, there's like balls and it just like swings back and forth and it eventually calms down, but, and like comes to a pause. But yeah, when I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, I know there's something I'm not looking at and it needs to have a better look and um, you know there's nothing like service you know working with other people to really um, understand that and to become a leader you know I thought leadership meant you were this hard strong you know um, rigid that was my idea of leadership at first and then I come to understand no leadership is like hearing people connecting with them understanding what they're saying a huge part is listening and like connecting on that human level and emotions and feelings and um, not taking that on but understanding so there is a lot of vocabulary I had to tap into as well you know in order to understand other people's emotions and hear them out I have to do that discovery within myself and understand my own feelings. It's an introspection, and then you can move outward um, with your interactions with others. And uh, it's actually quite a cool concept because 
once you start building this, it's incredible to see how your concept of spirituality or higher power, not religion, um, grows and changes as well. Um, it makes life bigger and more beautiful and easier to navigate and uh, more room for adventure and just living a better life. So thank you again for the topic and I will mute my mic. That was so great, Kat. Thank you so much. So many great things there. This pendulum analogy I think is perfect. It's just so well said. It's like the swinging back and forth. And then as you go through more and more and more and have more and more experiences, you end up kind of in the middle there, hopefully, right? You get to a place that's gonna work for you and work for others. Uh, and any quick comments before we go to Deanna? Well, actually the, the pendulum also, it's it happens for me all the time. Anytime I'm doing something new, uh, it goes from one extreme to the other until I figure out, until I get my balance, if you will. So I, I'm happy to, to see the pendulum. Okay. And for me, it's just, it's, it's a balancing act and it doesn't cause me any kind of stress. So Kat, I'm so glad you brought it up because some people are like, Oh my God, I'm so extreme. Yeah, you are. But if you change some things, you will, you know, you'll figure out what your balance is. So go with it, you know, just kind of swing with a pendulum. It can actually be a fun ride. You know, it's like, Oh, this time I didn't go all the way to 10. This time I went to eight. Ooh, how cool is that? Anyways, it's just, it's just a way for me to have fun with it. And uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful analogy. And that's, you know, I'll hand the mic over to you. So great guys. Thank you so much, Kat, for your share. Uh, we're in the Recovered Life Room, guys. We're gonna go to Deanna, who always has great things to say. Welcome, Deanna. Thank you so much, Damon and Ann and Kat. Uh, this is a just awesome conversation for me to be listening to. I love everything I've heard so far. It's really, really resonating with me. I, when it comes to humility and being right-sized, like Kat was saying, I can swing from both sides of the pendulum. And yesterday was one of those days that I just could not find balance. I meditated so much yesterday and I just couldn't find I couldn't find balance, but things pass and I realize why I wasn't being able to find balance is because I'm so excited and nervous about today. I didn't realize that yesterday, but I volunteer at a juvenile detention facility and tonight I have an event there that we are going to be making um, kits, toiletry kits for unhoused people in our community. And I work with uh, I work with the oldest boys, men in the juvenile facility, and it gets, it has taught me so much humility. Um, I went into this basically answering an, an, a request on Facebook in my community. That's how I got into this. It's been a year now and I, I love it. And it has taught me so much humility, um, not knowing what I'm doing. I run a garden club, like a cooking and garden garden club. I don't even have a garden at my house. 
I like I don't know what I'm doing, but I just show up because somebody needed something. And so I did. And I continue to go. I remember one of the boys said that oh, volunteers are like whatever around here because they never come back. And I took that to heart so much. And I said, I will not be that person. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to lead a group of people in this way, or so I thought. And I just told myself if I just keep coming back, because I like how I feel when I'm doing something for others, even just asking, hey, how's your day going today? Um, and it has bloomed into something beautiful. And and there are days I don't feel it. I don't feel that inside me. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not contributing to the world. And then I hear Kat speak and I'm like, but yes, I am contributing to the world. And to have that validation from people in, in a group like this, in a space that are all trying to be our better versions of ourselves, it validates that what I am doing is enough. It's more than enough. And even if I weren't doing this, it's I'm still enough. And and I I, I do have to say, going in to I I read a, a book by Bob Goff when I at the start of COVID, which I got sober about three months before COVID hit. And I was reading this. I was listening to Bob Goff speak, and he was basically saying he's an amazing author, and he was saying that he is a pilot of 20 years, but he always tells people he's a student because people give him a lot more grace when he says, I'm just learning. I'm still just learning. And I've really taken that to heart. And because of that, people gravitate towards me at this juvenile detention facility, other volunteers, staff members, even the youth gravitate towards me. I feel it because I'm not leading with an iron fist. I am just kind of saying, this is what I want for me. If you guys want to join me, it's pretty cool. And I, I'm feeling right-sized about that. <laughs> I'm feeling right-sized about it. And I want to lean into doing service work just more and more and more. Um, I do want to say another thing is that in relation to happiness, when we first started talking about that, I I feel like I'm a little bit different in in aspects of that conversation, um, at least today, maybe not yesterday, but today I have so much happiness inside of me that comes from me nowhere else. And so I have to find a balance of of doing things because I'm like, oh, I'm content. I'm happy. I don't need to do anything else. I have a wonderful husband who takes care of me. And that is not what I want to be. I want to be happy on the inside and then spread that out through service work, through contributing to society by having a job. Um, and just, yeah, so that's where I'm feeling about this conversation. And I, I just love it. So thanks for having this. I'm Deanna. I'm finished. Okay. Um, Deanna, that was, that was really beautiful. And um, the process that you walked us through that you said yes to something, not really knowing what it was going to be. And then you took the next indicated step. And when you decided, well, I'm not going to be the one who quits. That's a commitment that you made to yourself and to the, you know, the people that, that you're serving. 
that showed so much in who you are to yourself. You know, it builds, it builds humility and it builds strength at the same time. And it shows the other people, you're worth it. I'm committing to you. I'm going to keep my word to you. And that's been such a beautiful process that I have learned to embrace throughout the years. And it just keeps, uh, keeps building and building. But you said something else that I think is super important. Uh, as a leader, there are two ways to lead people. One from the front, let's go, here we go, here's what we're going to do. And the other one is called leading from behind. And that means that making sure we're lifting people up. You know, when we're leading, we're moving forward. Here's how you do this. And here's where you go. Here's how you get the information. But then when we stop and see, okay, what do people need? And then we lift them up. And you're doing that so beautifully, just showing up. And you're not that loud leader, but you're picking them up and saying, well, I'm going to learn with you. Uh, I'm going to do what it takes to learn. And, in, and I've been listening to you for a while. You're always learning, like, you know, you're learning gardening where you, you don't even have a garden well that's leading from behind where we show you showing people how do you learn to garden none of us know how to garden but I'm gonna bring in the information we're all gonna do this together so that was just beautiful and I always love to hear your shares because they're just so heart-centered and so authentic so humility centered you're just you're just a beautiful example of how to be right size so i'm so glad you're here gosh that was beautiful and now uh, damon your thoughts i know you got lots to do because i saw you on my king but i was so excited i had to share oh i'm so glad you did no that was so great dina thank you um i love that and you know i think you tapped on something that is the magic principle of success for people in recovery and it's something that ann and i are gonna dive into uh a little bit deeper on recovered life with creating some content on um and that is this whole idea of service being this magical power um i have found that being of service that being of service mindset has solved so many problems that I had created in my own life through thinking, right? Through poor thinking. Service for some, you know, I think service works for everyone. Obviously, there are a lot of people that are in recovery that are not in recovery that are of service and make their, put their whole lives around being of service. And obviously it does something for them. But people in recovery, this is kind of a magic little formula here. Uh, it does something special to people that are in recovery. And uh, working with other alcoholics, too, or people who suffer from codependency, drug addiction, any kind of addiction, that one-on-one -on -one connection, that one-to-many connection with people does something to us, I believe, spiritually, that allows us to be able to do more in life, right? And you tapped on that. And I, I know that I have had the worst stinking thinking in the world and then literally been thrown into a service commitment that i had made that i'd literally forgotten about that i tried to get out of five times shown up and my whole perspective changed my whole perspective shifted simply because i was being of service 
and it br brings something out of you that you see things much more clearly. And as somebody as a recovered alcoholic, I look back in my life in the times that were the most, I had the most struggles with the least amount of answers and feeling okay with it were the times that I was of least of service to other people. So one of, I think, the magic principles in getting unstuck with anything that we do in recovery is a, a component of how are we being of service to other people? How are what we doing day to day helping other people? That is the thing that starts to shift things. I mean, Anne, have you found that too, that like when you jump out there and you forget about yourself for five minutes and you start going and helping other people, all the thing, all of a sudden your perspective will start to change. Oh, absolutely, Damon. You know, well, within the recovery, recovered community, if you will, um, it's amazing how when we get out of ourselves and um, help somebody else, I'm surprised at some of the things that I know how to do. And, I, you know, the ideas come across that, you know, in in an effort to help somebody else that I forgot that I knew how to do, or maybe I've done, it has worked. So it's just, it never fails. Every time I try to help somebody else, I'm like, Ooh, I should be doing that. You know? Yeah. So it, it just, it works that way. And, you know, I think human beings, we're actually, we're made to be serving others, if you will. Think about whether it's our personal lives, whether in business, whether in whatever it is, it's always doing something for somebody else. Otherwise, the community would not survive. And we're, we're designed to be in communities. We're designed to be supporting each other. Each one of us has a different gift. And if each one of us puts the gift in the pot, if you will, amazing things happen. And, you know, I, I'm not going to go into it, but there was years ago, I heard a story about rock soup, st or stone soup, if you will. It was something I was reading to my, to my daughter when she was little, when they were talking about this one person comes in uh, into town and he's starving and he's like you know he's asking people for help nobody helps him so he sets up the pot in the middle of uh, the town and he puts some rocks in the, in the in a pot and his a fire is going he's sitting there he's going mm, this is so good and then people are like what is he doing so they, they come out it's like i'm making stone soup it's like well what do you have in there i have some rocks that well you know some carrots would do you know, a lot of good in there. So somebody puts in carrots, somebody puts in potatoes, somebody puts in whatever. Next thing you know, the community, each one contributes what they have and they have this delicious vegetable soup or whatever. And that's how I see it. And, and that story just kind of stuck with me, how we survive as a community. Every time we serve somebody else, we get something ourselves and it just feels so good i just want to keep on doing it and we all do every time something feels good we want, we want to keep on doing it so finding that thing that makes us feel good and for me it's being conscious whether it's what my motive is and so uh being of service or is it just for me anyway so that's a whole another beeswax but i'm going to hand the mic over to you damon so great. So great. And, you know, the shares have been amazing today. You know, one of the things that I, I, I get more out of doing these than I, than I give most of the time. 
And one of the things that I got out that reinforced an idea that I learned about a decade ago is that, you know, um, letting go of the old idea that I have to do everything myself um, and that I can't, that, that just letting go of this idea, right? And that that idea served me growing up in the family that I did. It served me to be able to uh, be, to, to be able to take it on alone, right? But now I understand with a level of humility that being right-sized when it comes to certain issues, I need other people, right? And this is, this is I'm just telling you guys, because I'll share directly from my experience of several decades sober, this has been a hard fought lesson for me. This was not an easy thing. I'm telling you, not an easy thing. At 20 years even of recovery, I was still with the thought that, you know, yeah, I'll work on teams, I'll, I'll do stuff. But honestly, if you need anything done, it's gotta be done yourself. And you can't really trust people to really deal with things. And maybe I know how to do it, so I'm the one that needs to always do it, right? This is not, this is not really great thinking, I'll admit to that, right? And so slowly, over time, I was able to let go of that. I still struggle with it. I struggled with it on a work thing this week. And I was just like, ah, oh, this didn't come out the way that I wanted it to. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm gonna take some time to create some notes and a learning opportunity so that we can get it to the place that we need to get this to, you know, my first thought is, well, just let them all go and then I'll deal with it myself, right? That's not, that, that wasn't appropriate for, for this. I don't need to deal with, I don't need to be the person who does it on this, right? I need to be the person that contributes. So it's being able to sift through all of these different feelings and emotions and identify actually what is going on? Where am I gonna make the biggest impact? Uh, what can I do that's loving and kind in this moment, right? How can I be of service? So that's what we're talking about today, getting unstuck, humility, how to be right-sized. Uh, Barbara just joined us. How you doing, Barbara? I'm doing great. I'm so glad that I had the chance to be able to hop on today. I'm driving, so the quality might not be so great. <laughs> I apologize for road noise, but um, this is a great topic, and I'm sorry I missed the beginning shares, but I also had a, a flip side thinking about this. Um, uh, people playing small, so maybe, you know, and I love service. It, it just, um, it does cure so many things and teach you so many lessons and um, give you so many endorphins of um, of contributing to the world, however that might be. And I had two things. One thing is thinking that it has to be so big. And I remember thinking, okay, I want to really bring this up to blah, blah, blah. And realizing that, you know, I connected two people together and they were able to make more synergy with their skills in this. And so I contribute to making that difference just by connecting those people. I am contributing, sometimes not noticing um, the service. And also sometimes I find people um, and myself I, I, being... Um, almost too small. So on the flip side of that, downplaying 
And, um, you know, sometimes that reaches for accolades or sometimes there's so much humility and disappearing that um, you can play small where, where we need you to play big. So playing big and staying humble at the same time, I think, is such a, a, um, a feat, you know, of balance. And I just noticed for myself, I just started a membership group. And so I, I want to, I'm looking for that balance of bringing things to the table so that I'm contributing to the group and, of course, wanting to grow the group and yet wanting to be collaborative and interactive so that it's like, I don't know it all. I, I need you all. I want to learn from you all and your contributions and what you have found as well. So, you know, walking that path, um, I could see that, um, you know, I'm good before I can get great, <laughs> if that makes sense. Thank you. Go ahead, Anne. Oh, go, um, go, I'd Dan, like you to comment go, first. Go. Yeah, oh, you, okay. you uh, so I thought I'd kind of jump in. Go ahead. So thank you so much, Barbara. That is great. Yeah, we did talk about playing too small, and I think we should dive into that a little bit more. Um, you know, I know in coaching and, you know, being a serial entrepreneur and starting businesses and also just coaching people in recovery, right, to try to live their best recovered lives, um, most of the problem that I see day to day, if I was going to boil it down, is people play too small. They're too limited in their beliefs, right? And what, what I mean by that is not what they're thinking, because I think a lot of times, look, let's, let's be honest, you know, people that suffer from addiction suffer from a thinking disorder, we're not, and when I say disorder, it means not like the average bear, right? Our thinking can be skewed. What we feel and what we think sometimes does not always line up well. So what we're trying to figure out a lot of the times in recovery is what am I thinking and what am I feeling? And then we're trying to come up with an interpretation. Now, I'm telling you, people will play very big in their mind. They'll be grandiose in their mind, but they'll take zero action. And what I've found, honestly, the biggest thing, the biggest impact in coaching that I've had with people, and I do a lot of high performance coaching and a lot of transitional coaching. So people will be coming into recovery, they'll be coming into that, right? And then also people have been doing it for uh, you know decades and they're trying to take their recovery to the next level. They're trying to take their business or whatever to their next level. What I find, it's like you need to decode what's going through your brain, put it down and the secret sauce is all about execution. It's all about what you do. In your mind, you might need to make 10 calls uh, over two days or over three days regarding that new job you wanna get, right? You might need to fill out 10 to 20 resumes. You might need to make some calls and follow up with some people. But in our mind that's going on, and it's grandiose thinking, well, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, or I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, it's playing too small. That's battling back and forth. But in the here and now, the only thing that matters is if you're actually doing it. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you're doing. And this is the big transition in, in recovery. It's what you actually do. 
And this is the secret. And what happens is if you can stop the compulsive thinking, stop thinking. Like I had a goal at 25 years and that was to only think a couple of hours a week. And people were like, Damon, like, what are you talking about? I mean, I was in this men's group and they said, what are your goals for the year? And I said, I'm going to stop thinking. I already know, I've already thought enough. So for me, my thing was, is that I would have a cigar once a week. I would think for two hours, I'd sit in my garden, have a cigar, I'd think about, I'd obsessively think about everything I wanted to think about. And then the rest of my time was actually living my life and executing, 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 doing the deal. So instead of thinking about making 10 calls, I already know I need to make 10 calls. I then make the 10 calls. Wow, that only took me two hours. Maybe I can make 20 calls. Maybe I can make 30 calls. And we have, look, if you wanna be successful and you are a recovered person, you have an edge over other people because we will go into uncomfortableness. So if you're uncomfortable making the call, hey, look, you know what uncomfortableness is like. You got sober and you're still here and successful in doing the deal. So we have an edge, guys. We definitely have an edge. And have you used this edge in your recovery? Oh, yes, Damon. And, you know, you actually brought, brought this up a couple of weeks ago, how um, your colleagues who are not in recovery were amazed at how quickly you implement. And you planted the seed. Well, like, you know, we're used to moving forward. We're used to taking action because our recovery depends on it. We're not, you, you know, we don't want to just sit in it. And you, you got me to thinking, absolutely. You know, you're, you're uncomfortable, move into action, do something, take the next indicated step. Because, you know, <laughs> we don't like to be uncomfortable when we know we can feel better. It just makes sense. And um, yeah, beautiful example that you gave about you want a better job you make those phone calls and barbara i love the 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 community the group that you're putting together you know those of us who are in business you know for ourselves instead of working for a company it, it does it, it works the same way anyways <clears throat> always putting people together but uh, the question that I always ask is, who else does my client need to be supported by to be successful? And that eliminates any kind of competition because we're focused on being of service and making a difference in somebody else's life. So the principles that are ingrained in us because of the program uh, actually works beautifully in business because it's all about, okay, let's work together. Together we're better. Together we can make a difference. And I love your example of saying, you know, my maybe my part was just putting those two people together. But look what happened when I put those two people together. And to me, that's right sized. It's appreciating our contribution, our brilliance, and not competing with anybody else, just doing everything to the best of our ability. That's being right-sized because ultimately we're the only ones we really have to answer to it when we take action and when we don't take action. And I don't know about you, but I have learned when it doesn't feel good, you get up and do something about it. So that was just beautiful examples that, you know, Barbara, you shed and you, Damon, too. That was just gorgeous. So um, I'm yielding the mic. It really is about being able to, and so well said, it's like really the one-two punch here is 
is you have to identify what you actually want to achieve and narrow that down into some language so that you can easily communicate that to others and they're going to understand it. And then the rest of it is execution. Most of life is execution. It's just doing it. And many people in recovery get so tied up because they are playing small. They come in and they say, well, look, it's what I call that church basement thinking. It's like, well, look, you know what? I'm broken. I'm never going to get it right. I applied for these jobs, started this business, started this relationship. It didn't work out. I made mistakes. Yes, that's great. You want to make mistakes. The more mistakes you make, the closer you are to your success, right? It's bad thinking. It's bad thinking in recovery, right? It execute no matter even if it isn't perfect. And this is what I've learned. Execute, 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 even if it isn't perfect. And Deanna talked about that. She's showing up. She felt, oh my God, it might not be perfect, but it didn't have to be. Her imperfection of doing it was perfect. And she gets better and better and better at it, right? So this is the great thing that we learn in recovery. And what a great room today. This has been a lot of fun. Any final thoughts? Well, I I have to say, I love the topics that you pick. You know, you're always, uh, there's a lot of thought-provoking topics. And now just the whole conversation, show up and do our best, whether we're a leader from the front or a leader from, the, from behind. It's about showing up and being ourselves, being of service and knowing that every day we're going to learn something. I have learned so much more from the mistakes, if you will, than I have from, from the successes a lot of times because I don't sit there and um, really dig into how did I get to do this right. But when I make a mistake, I'm like, what did I do wrong? So I, I think uh, for that reason, I have to think more about that. But yeah, I always want to examine what went wrong and how can I fix it. So I'm not I'm not so mistake shy anymore because I know there's there's gold in there somewhere if I dig in. And so, yeah, thank you so much again, Damon. Awesome, awesome room as always. Great topics and great chairs and Kat and Deanna. And uh, yeah, it's been a great room. And all of, uh, you know, our amazing uh, listening lounge friends over there. It's just beautiful to see the same faces all the time. So, and, and some of the new ones that are coming in. So with that, uh, thanks again, Damon. I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Guys, such a great, such a great room today. Guys, I want everybody to follow Anne. Uh, definitely follow Anne on Clubhouse. She's got a lot of really great stuff going on with her access to experts group. So please definitely do that. I'd also like to mention here uh, before the final thoughts that if you do feel that you're stuck, if you feel you can't get out of it, if you feel that like, man, I, I need some help, some accountability to move forward, I give away free half-hour unstuck sessions. I give a couple of them away a week. I've got two that I can do over the next couple of weeks. If you want one of those or 100% free, all you have to do is go to info.recoveredlife.us. Go ahead and just click on uh, Damon Frank right there. Click on it, and it can uh, it will make you it will allow you to book a session with me totally for free. So that is open for anyone who feels that they need to get unstuck and they need to get unstuck right now. Guys, great cat, uh, Deanna, any final thoughts for today? I just wanna say thank you. Sorry, cat, I took over. This has been 
extremely helpful. I'm um, not just about humility, but about leadership. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo that. Um, thank you guys so much. It's um, such a breath of fresh air to be at that place in recovery where I need to go beyond um, the basement thinking, you know, and I, I love what you just said um, a few years ago, you uh, connecting people, maybe that's just your purpose, right? Like, having that creativity and that ability to see things from different points of views and um, get a full picture of things. That's a incredible skill. And um, yeah, I just, I love uh, the open, open conversation. So thank you. As always an amazing recovered life discussion because of all of you. Thank you so much everyone for showing up today and participating, whether you shared or whether you just listened. Uh, we hope that you take action in your life. Having a discussion about it is really the first start, right? It's really the start. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to further the discussion, just go to recoveredlife.us. If you're not a member, you can join and become one for totally for free. And we have the continuing conversation there. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.